the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. This is uh, uh, Let Us Reason podcast. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and I want to thank you again for joining us this week. Last week, we talked about uh, the topic of Islam and atheism with me, with me here in studio last week and continue to be with me here also this week, Dr. David Wood. And if you don't know anything about him, I would encourage you to go to his uh, own, basically, uh, YouTube channel called Act 17 Apologetics. You can also watch his own testimony called Why I Am a Christian. And, of course, put uh, David Wood. Uh, that will take you directly, probably, to that particular video. And uh, Now, the topic, of course, that uh, we are selecting has to do with why, of course, many young Muslims these days are claiming to be atheists, leaving Islam. And is that a good thing or a bad thing, of course, in terms of evangelism? We'll talk about this right now. But most importantly today, I want to also deal with another issue that David is going to be debating a Christian pastor about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea of should we be harsh uh, when we are debating others in terms of uh, like attacking, if you wish, their own belief system, which is whatever they believe in. We're not inventing things. But so, uh, David, you are going, uh, or at least, uh, you know, those who are watching it, uh, listening to it right now, uh, it, it will be in the past, actually. He would have at least debated. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, why is it that you uh, and this pastor agreed uh, on this particular topic? What was the, uh, basically, the catalyst for that? Well, uh, and for anyone who's been following my channel for years, uh, people know that you know, we totally make fun of Muhammad and, and his teachings. And so, you know, we did a series called Islamicize Me, where we said, hey, what would happen if we actually tried to live according to the teachings of Muhammad for 30 days straight? Not just the things that Muslims think of. Oh, you know, you pray five times a day and things like that. Um, it's, you know, eating, you know, uh, uh, dunking flies in your food and drinking camel urine. What happened if you, what would happen if you actually tried to follow Muhammad's teachings, even the ones Muslims like to ignore. What would happen if you tried to follow these teachings for 30 days? Well, it's very clear we're, we're mocking a lot of these practices. We're making fun of them. We're saying mm -hmm, this, is, mm -hmm. this is silly and, uh, and ridiculous. So anyway, if you've got uh, something like that, we have a, a series called Muhammad's Boom Boom Room, where Muhammad is an interviewer, and he wears a suicide vest, and anytime anyone disagrees with them, he detonates and blows them up. And so it's very clear we're, we're making fun of Muhammad there. We kind of make him likable. A lot of people say, you know, they like the Muhammad character because he's, you know, he's, he's violent but in sort of a, you know, childish uh, way. And so anyway, a lot of people like our character of Muhammad. But we're, clear, we're clearly making fun of him and, and, and his teachings. And so the question is, uh, you know, should Christians be uh, doing that? And I would say here's, here's the principle. 
Um, because people will point to verses where we're told to love others, and they'll say that that's not loving. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. We're doing that because we want Muslims to see how stupid this is, so they quit following it and wasting their lives, so that they can actually open their heart to be open to an alternative to Islam. Um, but if you, uh, if you, whether you look at the the Old Testament or New Testament, you find various situations where people mock, where where people are mocked, right? And notice, this is the Bible commands us to love others and That's right. uh, to be kind to others, to be gentle with others. And yet, we shouldn't be giving those our own interpretations, right? If Paul says to love people, but Paul would also viciously rebuke people, you can't think that viciously rebuking people is inconsistent with loving them. You know what I mean? So uh, you have to look at what these things meant in, in the Bible. And so if you look at the, you know, the Old Testament, of course, the most famous example is uh, Elijah uh, mocking the Baal, Baal right? right? Exactly. And, and he's, he's saying, uh, where, where, where's your God? Can't he hear you? Why yeah, can't he do he anything? Sleep? Is he, he in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, what's going on, right? And so just total savage, savage mockery. Um, you find uh, elsewhere, elsewhere in the prophets, uh, when, when, when Isaiah is talking about um, a person making an idol and then bowing down to it, he, he's making fun of the whole process, right? He's like, oh, you take a, a tree down and then you cut it up and then you use this part to make yourself a fire to cook your dinner on. And you, so you cook yourself some bread on this part of the tree, but then this other part of the tree, you bow down to it and worship it, right? He's making, he's making fun of them. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we early, uh, earlier, we were talking about uh, uh, Amos 4, when Amos 4 talks about, he says, oh, you cows of Bashan. It's like, what? What's he talking about? Why is he talking to cows? He goes, oh, you cows of Bashan who oppress my people and tell your husbands, bring me more wine. Right? He's talking to women who are oppressing other people, and he calls them cows. Right now, that's not nice. That's just that's just mean. What about Paul in Galatians? You stupid Galatians! Yeah, so, yeah, so, so that's yeah, that, that's so that's that's old. That's Old Testament. We get to New Testament. Of course, we find Paul in in Galatians. You 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 foolish Galatians! Uh, also, there in Galatians, when he's talking about the the Judaizers who were telling Christians they had to be circumcised back into the law right. before you became a Christian, right? So the, so the Jews knew that they were Jews and then became Christians. And then so, what, but what do you do with these Gentiles? And so there was a little dispute. And some of them said, no, they need to become Jews first and then convert to Christianity. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're going around circumcising Gentiles um, to bring them into Judaism before bringing them into Christianity. And Paul... Uh, Paul says, I wish they'd go, they'd go all the way and cut themselves off. Well, he's talking about completely castrating themselves. Right. So cutting off all their reproductive organs. He says, just go ahead and chop it all off. In other words, look, if you think that snipping a part of your skin off there is going to bring you closer to God, then you've been brought through the death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. If you think cutting that is going to help you, just go ahead and chop it all off. Now, there, there, there's, there are also some, some undercurrents there as well. Uh, it's in the Torah that if, you were, if your genitals were, uh, 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 had been cut off, you, were not, you could not be part of the temple worship. And so he's actually, these are the Judaizers. These are the Judaizers saying, you know, we need to go back to this. And he's saying, go ahead and chop it all off, in which case they wouldn't even be allowed there. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So you have that. You have Jesus with the, with the scribes and Pharisees. Um, when he's just completely rebuking them, you whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers. You're like you're like tombs that appear beautiful on the outside, but inside yeah. you're full of dead men's bones and all kinds of filthiness. Even when he says uh, when he says something like you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel, 
and this is actually a, 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 an example. You know, this this is a perfect example of sort of godly mockery, right? Um, you strain out a gnat, but but swallow a camel. Faithful Pharisees, uh, since a an insect was, I mean, since uh, a gnat was in, was an unclean animal, they'd be worried about a gnat being in their water when they drank their water, and them accidentally swallowing an unclean animal. So before they would drink their water, they would they would run it through a cloth to make sure mm-hmm. that they didn't accidentally swallow a gnat. So Jesus sees them doing this. Say, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now, you're not actually swallowing a camel, but the camel is like the, the biggest of the unclean creatures, right? So he's saying, hey, you're worried about the tiniest of the unclean creatures, and you're swallowing the biggest one. Meaning, he's talking about them being, uh, throwing out things like justice and things right. like that. That's you know, right. you know th- them, they're, they're oppressing people and things like that. So he's saying, you're doing, you're doing something far worse. But notice, th- th- so the reason this is an example is, this is a situation where Jesus could have said, um, you Pharisees, uh, I think that, Sometimes, maybe you're not practicing what you preach, right? And that would have been a gentler way to draw attention to their hypocrisy. But he doesn't do that. He says, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. And that, I think, is really the the, the heart of biblical mockery. Why are you doing it? If it's because this is somehow going, you want this information, you want the point to stick in someone's head. More than right. it will by just saying it. In other words, you're adding something to it. You have the point, the information that is very important to get across. You want that information to get across to people. But if you can package it in such a way that makes it much more likely to stick and get in people's heads, then I think you're, I think you're on the right track. But with, uh, again, with, with, with things like mockery and things like that, the, the, the overall, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, I think the overall pattern is... It's kind of reserved for special targets. And the, the targets that, that mockery of that kind is usually directed towards, they're usually oppressors, like the, the, the women who are, called, who are called cows and things like that. Um, it's usually oppressors or religious leaders who are leading other people astray. Um, or it's idolatry, making fun of idolatry and the, and the people who, who make idols. So those are those are the categories where... It seems the biblical message is, hey, this problem is so severe that it, it's appropriate to mock these people for, for what they're doing in order for other, to help other people and possibly them see how bad they are and how, how bad their behavior is. And so uh, with the situation with Muhammad, because there are all kinds of Christians who would say, hey, you shouldn't mock Muhammad, you know, if you, you don't mock people and things like that. As far as I can tell. If the if the targets if the targets of biblical mockery are oppressors and um, religious leaders who are leading other people astray, if those are the people, who did, then Muhammad more than anyone else in history is worthy of mockery, right? In other words, if mockery is ever appropriate, then it's appropriate to direct it against Muhammad because he's kind of the paradigm example of an oppressor and a religious leader who's leading other people astray. And so, if it's ever appropriate to mock people, it's appropriate to mock Muhammad. Well, guess what? According to the Bible, there, there are times when it's appropriate to mock people. And so we have to say it's okay to, it's okay to mock Muhammad. And that's why I think you're on pretty safe ground. Absolutely. And, and you know, somebody is making a comment here. I don't know if it's directed to you directly or just maybe he's making this comment. Uh, Nathaniel Tay saying, I think one problem is people think you can only have one method. That's, that's correct. Yeah. And they see the mocking 
and they think <clears throat> that it's the only method. Others see that the gentle approach, and they think also that's the only approach. You know, so yep. I, I agree with you, of course, uh, Nathaniel. We agree with you. And uh, by the way, I want to emphasize our dear brother here uh, never, to my knowledge, mocked people. He's mocking Muhammad, the leader, foundation, the teaching. But he's not mocking uh, the Muslims and saying, oh, you guys are this and you guys are that. No, he's exposing the lies that they're living. And sometimes you have to be harsh. The truth has to be harsh sometimes. Yeah, Nathaniel, uh, he, he makes a very, very important point that I, I, I don't think can be uh, overstated because here's what I hear over and over again. Um, in my church, all we do is preach the gospel. And, and, you know, we had two Muslim converts over the years. And that's what... It, when someone, when a Christian tells me, hey, all I do is preach the gospel to Muslims, I don't ever criticize their views, I say, fine, cool. Because why? Because there are Muslims who just need to hear the gospel. They've already been struggling with Islam for other reasons. They need a gospel presentation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, there are a lot, many other Muslims like Nabil. Nabil told me um, after he became a Christian, he said, you know, when we were going through the evidence and going through your reasons for believing in Christianity— he said, I would think, wow, Christians actually have good reasons for what they believe. He said, but I realized, even if they show me with 99% certainty that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and he's Lord, I'm still 100% sure that Islam is true. Right. And therefore, Christians always lose. And so Muslims have this confidence in Islam that's been built upon a foundation of lies. Everything their leaders told them about defending Islam, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all nonsense, right? Um, but they, they really believe it. And so... For lots of Muslims, until you challenge those those lies, they have complete confidence in Islam. They're never going to consider any uh, any alternative. And so, um, yeah, for, for for a Christian to say, "Hey, my particular method is I just preach the gospel. I don't criticize." I say, "I say, cool, fine," but very frequently that's not what happened. The Christian says, "Hey, this is the way everyone needs to do it," and. So, yeah, people try to universalize methods when there are all kinds of different Muslims. There are Muslims who need someone who, who've been abused all their lives by their families and stuff, especially lots of Muslim women. They've been abused by their husbands. They've been abused by their families and so on. They need someone to come alongside them and show them a lot of love and concern and we care about you and so on. There are other people, they're not, they're not, listening, to, unless, they're not listening to a word you say unless you're coming in guns blazing right at their, right at their prophet. And so... Uh, yeah, it's just a problem. Like, like people ask, people, people say to me, well, David, what, why are you encouraging everyone to do this? I'm not encouraging anyone. This is what I'm doing, right? This is what I'm doing. I tell most people, I tell most people, hey, if you're sitting down in a conversation with a Muslim, don't start, don't start out by making fun of Muhammad and Aisha. You know, don't do that. You can bring that up exactly. la- you know, later in the context exactly. of, a, yeah. of a, you know, something like that. Or if the guy turned into a jerk and he starts running his mouth, maybe the situation there. But if you're actually trying to, you know, get along and become friends with a Muslim, you know, he, don't act like I do in my videos. It's a different. It's a different context. So yeah, we have to keep in mind there are all kinds of different methods for all kinds of different situations, sure. and all kinds of different Christians, and all kinds of different ministries, and all kinds of different Muslims to reach. And so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we'll continue, of course, uh, looking at some questions. But uh, again, if you are uh, listening to this podcast, uh, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host Al Fadi, and with me here in studio is Dr. David Wood, and we've been talking about. Uh, really, a number of things. For instance, we're talking about some of the Muslims who are becoming atheists and, and what is the contradiction here. Uh, we're sharing about the video series that we'll be putting together. Basically, it's called Islam and Atheism. At least that's a tentative title for now. And then uh, David is talking also about some of the upcoming uh, projects and debates. One of them is debating a Christian pastor on whether Muslim, uh, Christians should mock, for instance, the belief 
of another uh, basically person, and that's what David was discussing right now about there are different approaches, different ways, and he's laying out also biblical foundation for that. As long as you do it in a biblical way, in a godly way, uh, I don't see any really grounds to negate something like that. Uh, David, by the way, our Lord himself rebuked Peter, mm-hmm. and he says, get behind me, Satan, when Peter acts, acted as if he was disturbed by the fact that and Jesus— And Paul rebuked him. Exactly. Uh, rebuked him for not <laughs> sitting with the Gentiles. Every, everyone's rebuking Everyone's rebuking. Peter. Right. And and Peter later on called uh, Paul our dear brother Paul. I mean, uh, he did not really yeah. hold grudges against him. So, oh, Paul, Paul, yeah, Paul was right. Yeah. And, and, and let's look at uh, one of the questions by Michael Furlan saying, because of your love for lost Muslims and your experience dealing with them, would you say they respect you more if you are aggressive or passive when presenting the gospel? I'd say it's going to depend on the Muslim. But, uh, yeah, there are a lot of Muslims out there who just aren't listening to you unless you're aggressive. And, and I, I, I first learned this while watching a debate with Nabil when he was still a Muslim. Um, we were watching a debate between uh, William Lane Craig and Jamal Badawi. And that was one of the most one-sided debates I've ever seen. Craig absolutely crushed Jamal Badawi. We fit, in, in fact, Badawi by the end was so desperate that he started yelling and freaking out. And most Westerners, when they see a debater yelling and freaking out, they're thinking, oh, you lost. You're getting frustrated. You're getting desperate. You know you're losing. You're getting angry. That's why you're yelling. We finished the debate, and Nabil, I said, so what would you think? Nabil said, ah, well, Badawi clearly won. I said, what? What are you talking about, right? Nabil, I mean, I understand that there are people who will just side with their, with their debater. Nabil's smart. Nabil's smart, and he was, he was my best friend. And so it was weird to hear him say that. And it took me years to unpack what he was saying. When he was seeing Badawi, Jamal Badawi, the Muslim debater, angry and yelling and screaming while Craig was sitting there calmly, whereas I was saying Craig is calm because he knows he's winning. He doesn't have anything to get angry about. Um, Badawi is angry and frustrated and yelling because he knows he's losing. Nabil was looking at the same thing and thinking to himself, Badawi is yelling because he's passionate that this other person is blaspheming God and leading people astray. And so it's, it's, it's welling up in him and coming out in a righteous anger. William Lane Craig is sitting there calmly because he doesn't even really believe what he's saying. And so he can't get excited about it. Got it. And Got so it. Compl- yep. looking at it completely differently. So, yes, there are Muslims who are, in fact, there are Muslims who are pay, paying far more attention to how you're presenting it, how forcefully you're presenting it, than the actual content that, that you're presenting. And that's interesting, really, because um, I know uh, Muslims, at least in my own also interaction with them, they will respect you if you're bold, respect you if you're straightforward, and uh, you're not really beating around the bush, for instance. Now, regardless of how they approach this, that's a whole different story, but at least they show a sign of respect. That's why they gravitate towards what we do. Uh, you know, Jay Smith, you know, that you'll see how many people are watching him and debating him and arguing with him. And he would tell me, like, after they uh, basically the speech is over or the debate is over, they'll run to him and they want to know more. I mean, it's at least they, they show respect to those who are bold. They stand for what they believe in because they're programmed to mm-hmm. uh, also think of it this way. That's why they're always asking, you want to debate me? You want to debate me? In other words, for them, it's about yelling, you know, it's about, mm-hmm. you know, fighting and things like that. So... Absolutely. Let's see if there is another question. Yes, there is one with uh, uh, Radish. Uh, Radish, I always mess up your name. I apologize. Um, and his question is uh, for you, uh, David. Is this a good argument? If Allah was the God of the Old Testament, then why didn't Allah send one prophet to stop the supposedly meaningless practice 
of animal sacrifices for almost 1400 years if Allah can simply forgive sins without blood sacrifice um yeah I would want to uh I would want to reword it a little bit because Muslims do have do have animal sacrifice right yeah, yeah. The, usually Eid al-Adha yeah yeah so they do have they do have uh, animal sacrifice and so I would I would uh I would reword it a little bit to to draw attention to the uh, the the blood sacrifice for uh, for sins and say yeah but but really you you could pick you could pick kind of any any teaching in the Torah any teaching in the Torah that doesn't line up with um, that doesn't line up with Islam like like you can you could go to the places where um, where God talks about uh, that talk about God being a father talk about Yahweh being a father. And uh, Israel being his son, and and so on. Right. Um, in 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 Islam, Allah is a father to no one in any sense, and He has no exactly. son in any sense. Exactly. Right? It's not just the biological sense. There's no sense. Allah is not called a father at all. Um, and so you could point out something like that. You could point out something with the with the blood sacrifices. And uh, to add a little to add a little to it, uh, you can you you can you can use what we call what we call the the Islamic dilemma. Um, but it's basically you, you show that the Quran affirms the inspiration and the preservation and the authority of the Torah and the gospel. I normally focus on the gospel to show that, you know, they've got a problem with the Bible we have saying that Jesus died on the cross for sins and rose from the dead and so on when this contradicts Islam. But you can do the exact same thing with the Old Testament. So what you'd want to do is find any difference you want to point out. And then you show that the Quran... In Surah 3, verses 3 to 4, and Surah 5, verse 43, and Surah 7, verse 157, and Surah 5, verse 68, um, affirm the Torah um, that is in the possession of the Jews, that Jews still had during the time of Muhammad. And you find, by the way, you find the exact same thing in the Hadith. So the Quran is affirming the inspiration and the authority and the preservation of the Torah that Jews still had in the seventh century. So this is, you know, over 2000 years after it was revealed. And we have copies from before this time. So we know what the Torah during the time of Muhammad said. Uh, and what happens is once you have a teaching, and by the way, you can, you can even go with things like, like food reg- regulations, right? Because Muslims will become obsessed with the regulation about pork. Guess what? You go to the same exact passage that talks about not eating pork. It also says, don't eat camel or rabbit. Right, it's a list. He gives you a list of things not to exactly. eat, and, and 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 Muslims will eat the camel and the rabbit, but not the pork, and they'll become fixated on the pork. Don't eat pork, and ignore the other restrictions that Islam completely violates, and that Muhammad himself violated. And so, so you can go to any of these, point these out to uh, a Muslim, and then you put him in what's called the the Islamic dilemma, because there are two possibilities: either either the Torah is the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of God, or it's not. If the Torah is the inspired, preserved, authoritative word of God, Islam is false based on whatever, uh, whatever, wherever you're showing that the Torah contradicts the Quran. Um, so if the Torah is the word of God, Islam is false. If the Torah is not the word of God, Islam is false because the Quran affirms the inspiration and the preservation and the authority of the Torah. So if the Torah is the word of God, Islam is false. If the Torah is not the word of God, Islam is false. Either way, Islam is false. Muslims need a new religion. You do the same thing with the New Testament. In fact, I think it's easier to do with the, uh, with the New Testament because, you, again, you got Jesus' death, you got his resurrection, you got his death for sins, uh, you got him being Lord, Son of God. All of these things completely contradict Islam. And so you just got a ton of stuff to point there, point out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there is a janky 
I'm, I'm really not following your question. Why am I seeing coronavirus? What, what does that mean? Are you, are you directing it to us? Might, might be a, could be a, could be a question about the problem of evil. If this is an atheist or something like that, like if yeah, God, well, please, if God please exists, clarify it, yeah, Jinky. We don't want to assume larger. things here. We would like to respect, you know, uh, your intent here. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to us on this podcast, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host Al Fadi, and with me here uh, is our dear brother David uh, Wood. And you can always, of course, go back and watch. This uh, also on Facebook at alfadi.sira because this is a Facebook live stream. This is one of our special editions of Let Us Reason. And hopefully also in the near future, we will publish it through our YouTube channel as well, which is Sira International. Speaking of that, I encourage you, of course, uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sira International. That's C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A International. And also we uh, ask that you prayer, you can, uh, prayerfully consider supporting us through Patreon or even PayPal, whatever the Lord puts in your heart, simply because we're always looking for different platforms to raise funding to be able to uh, sustain this uh, media ministry, to bring wonderful guests like our dear brother here, and also to produce uh, high-quality videos, because at the end of the day, I believe really in collaboration with others, and I believe also in the idea that we have to have a digital legacy. In other words, I mean, I cannot live forever, but uh, I pray that at least the work will continue to live. We praise the Lord, of course, for the ministry of our dear brother David Wood in the life of uh, uh, Nabil Qureshi. And look how his digital legacy continues on and even his printed copies of books and other things like that. That's why we encourage you, of course, to become a subscriber. And if the Lord puts you in your heart to be also supporters for my ministry and also for my brother's ministry, how can they do that, brother? They can go to your YouTube uh, channel uh, Act 17 Apologetics. Is there any other ways for them to connect with you or support what you're doing? Um, they can find pretty much everything about me on. Uh, they go to my YouTube channel. I have links to other stuff. So very good, very good. Well, thank you so much again. If uh, this is the end and the conclusion of our YouTube, uh, our uh, uh, podcast, basically, but we will continue with our Facebook uh, live stream right now. Thank you again, and God bless.